Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Brother Tech downloaded and installed iOS Beta 17, which is expected to be officially released next month. Apple is oddly supportive of SB244, a right-to-repair bill being considered in California, and we ponder why. Tesla is facing its first lawsuits on autonomous vehicle deaths. A U.K. study reports that autonomous driving systems are less accurate for children and darker-skinned pedestrians, and San Franciscans feel some kind of way about autonomous driverless taxis. And Urban One and Sounder released a report on how AI and machine learning are making it easier for advertisers to scale on content for black-targeted audiences. we got all this and more for you in Episode 96 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And coming out of Philly, it's your girl, Tech Life Stuff. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. Mr. Public Beta. I finally, I've, I've been a long, a long time since I've downloaded a public beta ahead of time because for the longest, I want to be surprised. I don't want to be all featured out by the time the latest iOS and macOS and watchOS comes out next month, which coming up probably invitations on the event are imminent uh but this year i was like you know what let me go ahead and get it early because there's one feature that i wanted to see how well it works uh for those who don't know real quick uh, apple incorporated a password manager and with this latest ios that's coming out next month you'll be able to share or more importantly create groups of passwords that you can share with family members so I've been a LastPass family member for a long time. LastPass has been tripping. They've been breach after breach after breach. I'm like, all right, let me see what else is out there. So um, this time last year, iOS announced the password manager feature, but this time they're expanding it. So I was like, all right, you know what? Let me go ahead and get the public beta early so I can see how that works. And it works pretty well. You know, I just had to get my wife off of LastPass because that's the. Is, is there a difference between this and Keychain? Same thing. Okay. Uh, iCloud keychain, uh, Apple passwords. Um, the only thing with this is um, it's not really a separate app uh, yet. I'm hoping in iOS 17 they announce a actual app icon. So I've actually on my phone created a shortcut that when I click this shortcut, it opens the password section of the settings. Right now you got to go into settings and you got a whole bunch of stuff to get to the password manager. So I created a shortcut where I can click one button. It takes me right in there. So mm-hmm. uh, while it's not an app yet, uh, hoping they add that, you know, full app functionality very, very shortly. here. Now, do you think that they'll be adding, I, I would imagine 
that they would add support for like pass key and stuff like that. So it's, they already did that. So they, they were, they're so doing that done. as well. So you pass keys and passwordless and the ability to do multi-factor authentication through an app. So you can actually, the password manager right now enables you the ability to create verification codes. So for banks, for anything that you think is important, you want to add two-factor to, you use two-factor via text message where they text you a code or the Apple password manager. I'm going to call that because it's not truly a password manager yet. But what they have right now is they can generate those codes for you. And then the beauty, reason why this is important, is because when you actually generate a code in a password manager, in most cases, you got to then go to the gener- the password authenticator to get that code. But with Apple, they'll actually forward that to the text prompt to where you is asking for the code and you just click a button and boom, it puts the code right in there. So, yeah, they, well, they do that. They do that now. The, on um, the password gen- generator. Yeah, when you, well, when you do, like, if you have two-factor authentication set up on anything and that little, and you get the text, that little box pops up and it'll automatically populate the the code into that. Right, you know, right. That's when they, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's when they text you the code. But if right. you, yeah, if you, you can also set it up to where the password manager generates a code for you. So okay. you don't have to send a text message. Oh, it automatically okay. just pops it up in there. So it's kind of like, okay. cuts a little, step out yeah, of the cuts out that step. Okay. Yeah. That's what's up. Okay. So y'all, since we, we started off talking about Apple, I'm going to keep it with Apple. But before we move into this next story, I just want to remind everybody that if you would like to support the tech, John, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech, John, where we've got three tiers over there. Any one of which gets you access to our live stream and after party. So you can actually watch us record the show live and then hang out with us for about a half hour after the fact to just talk about whatever. So once again, head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech, John, the tech J A W N. If you would like to support the show. So Steph, you stuck this one in here about Apple and the letter that was sent to Senator Susan Talmente's Eggman in support of SB 244. Basically they are in support of right to repair. And that state order or law or whatever, I guess you would call it, is kind of similar, similar to what they're doing in Minnesota. But uh, this doesn't really seem Apple-y in the sense yeah. that Apple is not really for this, or at least they haven't been in the past. So what do you think has changed here? It just seemed very interesting because they had been quite anti-right to repair across the board. Um it looks like California kind of conceded uh, some pretty um, they, they, they gave some very important concessions to Apple, I think, to kind of keep the integrity around the repairs um, intact. Uh, let me get to what they what they said they would do. Um, I know there was was something around notifying people if they weren't using uh, genuine parts they had to um uh there was something else that they had to do to sort of maintain quality control they had to um they ship this big old expensive cumbersome repair kit to well your that house. was for the battery yeah that was if you wanted to do your own batteries but um for for this particular thing there was uh there were a couple things that they had to to do to to let people 
to to kind of get this bill through. Um, and one of them was letting people know if they weren't using if the if the repair shop was not using um, non genuine part. Apple said it would continue to support the bill as long as repair shops were required to disclose the use of non genuine or used parts. Um, and they would uh, provide other. Prote- Oh, allow it would not, uh, Apple did not want to support the bill if it allowed repair shops to turn off Apple's anti theft remote locks, um, which make it impossible to repair or activate old computers that have been sold. So, so there were some things that, that Apple required that the repair shops do to maintain integrity of Apple products. But I, you know, that those things seemed minor in comparison to the, to the amount of money Apple has spent lobbying over the years to not have repair shops be able to repair their, their items. So I'm just wondering what the real reason was um, behind this sudden change, because they literally just, you know, stopped on a dime and did a whole 180 degree, you know, flip on this idea of right to repair. So I'm just wondering what else may have been behind this sudden change of heart uh, from Apple, because these concessions, you know, while, you know, obviously they, they, they keep some integrity in in the the, you know chain of, of 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 repair they don't seem like something that would make apple just be like oh okay yeah then go ahead and repair stuff now you know what i mean it it i'm like what is really going on behind this whole thing to to make you reverse your entire position on on right to repair in california it seems like a lot that's a good question uh They've been Apple has been easing uh, over the past couple of years, but nothing tremendous to where this is a win for right to repair people. Uh, even with this new thing, you know, it just says, you know, a couple. Um, oh, we can do this and we you can do that and you can do this now. But there's no there is no revolutionary like Apple's like, oh, yeah, now we're 100 percent on board and that will enable you to do all these cool things. You know, now it's, Apple's just kind of like. On paper, they're like, sure, we uh, uh, support right to repair, but even still, they're still kind of easing into it. Like I said, like I mentioned before, to when you uh, prior to this, they allowed um, people to self replace iPhone batteries and maybe a mm. small, a couple small other things. But even still, when you did that, you had to pay like a couple hundred dollars to get the the kit and then it was like a big big look suitcase and then it had like a 30 or 50 page uh instruction booklet almost like all right all right (laughs) if you want to replace your battery by yourself bet and here's how you got to do it you know almost to me almost like a yeah don't try this at home (laughs) <laughs> you see and they've stopped this legislation in other states. They've curbed mm-hmm. this legislation in states like New York. Like, so it's just like, what's going on in California that you know all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe if you if you do these couple little things, we we're we're down. And it's just like, all right, something something else is going on here. So I have I have two theories, and I, I want to get y'all's take on this. But I think one of the reasons that they may kind of be you know, giving concessions is not the word, but okay, we're going to go along with this is because in California, they weren't going to have a choice. (laughs) California was going to do what California was going to do. And it's like, okay, well, if the biggest state 
you know, in America is going to be doing this with all those folks that have iPhones there. We we better, you know, you know, at least seem like we're trying to to, to play ball. The other part of it is that and I can give you some firsthand experience with this right before I took my daughter back to school. I had to take her phone in because we thought we needed to replace the battery. And what I've come to learn is that people are already getting these phones fixed, regardless of whether Apple is allowing you to get them fixed or not, because you spent, you know, 800, a thousand, 1200, 1400, whatever you spent on a phone, you still have 11 months to pay for that phone. You didn't get Apple care and you drop it and you crack your screen. So you either go with a cracked screen for another year or you take it to one of these other shops that would replace the screen for you or replace the battery for you. Or in the case of what was actually wrong with my daughter's phone was that she had a habit of sleeping with her phone while being plugged in. And it had all kind of blanket fibers because she's got one of those big Sherpa woolly blankets. All that fiber had got into her port. And every time she would plug in and pull out and plug in and pull, you know, plot, she's putting all kind of lint in there. Right. And from the heat of this thing charging up, it started to By the melt way, those you fibers. Tell her not to do that. That's oh no! A huge fire safety hazard. She so. she she finally yeah. gets it because she thought yeah. she was going to have to come off the five hundred ninety dollars that's still owed on her phone. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was your boy. Yeah. She would have came off that five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she oh she was going to, and it's like, oh, you could take it somewhere and get, and get it fixed, and that's why we were trying to get it fixed. And it turned out that it wasn't the battery that needed to be replaced. It was just they cleaned it out. And said, never, ever sleep with your phone for the same reasons you said, Steph, that is dangerous to do. But number two, in addition to the danger and what is going to get her to keep her from doing is that every time you plug all those fibers into your phone and you're getting them in there, they said it looked like it looked like charred cotton candy inside of her charge port. So she, you know, so she just couldn't get good enough connection to charge the phone up. And so they cleaned it all out and. I think, you know, instead of even like it would have only cost one hundred and nine dollars if we would have had to get the battery replaced. The fact that they only cleaned it because the guy made me wait so long for them to do it. He didn't even charge me. I think it would have only been like a nineteen dollar charge just to clean that port out. But, you know, just in sitting in the store and, you know, just listening to him talk. That is one of the number one things that people have issues with with iPhones. If you sleep with them and you're charging them in your bed, you end up burning your charge ports out or, or just getting them so junked up that the phone can't charge. So back to, the, you know, back to the story. I think that Apple may be doing this because people are already taking their places to get them fixed, regardless of whether it was Apple authorized or not. So from an Apple standpoint, it's like, OK, can we can we make some of that money? At the end of the day, Apple is a for-profit company, and if they feel like, well, we can make more money by allowing people to fix phones with our, you know, our genuine parts as compared to just going to the place in the mall or whatever place you go to. You know, we actually went to an Assurion spot, so they were legitimate. Not that any others are not legitimate, but but they were the ones who actually are using the official Apple parts and stuff like that. But but they also don't. If you don't want to use it, you know, you you got a choice. You can use. Well, if you want the if you want the official Apple screen, it's going to cost you this. If you want this screen that does everything that the Apple screen does, it's going to cost you something less than this. So. I think that, uh, you know, it's just Apple kind of seeing the writing on the wall and it's like, okay, you know, people are going to fix their phones. They're not just going to because you cracked your screen because you need a new battery because you need a new charge port that you're going to go and get a whole new phone. You're going to get that old one fixed because of the price. I guess I don't I don't know. It just it seems very sudden, though. Um, I don't know. 
I guess, I guess, you know. Yeah, I just think it was a, a state with 40 million people was about to go down this road. Yeah. And last yeah. time I checked, I think it is a, it, it yeah, is. Apple got enough money yeah. to fight that. They can move their headquarters or. And they, and know. they've been, and they've been fighting it. They've been yeah. fighting it since the very beginning. And, and it's just like, it, it, it's, it just seems so abrupt and, and, you know, just, I don't, I don't know. It, I, like I said, I just, I would be curious to, to hear, you know, what sort of negotiations and, and, and backstory there is to, to this. Cause I know there's a little bit more to it as, as there always is. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment. Every time they see it, blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. So y'all, so this next story, this one is about Tesla. And it looks like Tesla is about to go through, not looks like Tesla is absolutely about to go through its first case. In fact, its first two cases for autopilot license, autopilot license lawsuits that involved, you know, deaths. So the first one stems from 2019 when it was Michael Lee's Model 3 killed Lee and injured two other passengers after veering off the road and hitting a palm tree and then catching fire. You know, Michael Lee was killed. Two other passengers, including a child who was disemboweled, were very, very severely injured. And then the second one is from also from 2019. And this one is Stephen Banner's Model 3 drove under the trailer of an 18 wheeler that pulled out in front of him. And the car drove under, shearing the top of the car off, killing him. And both of these cases are about to go to trial. So I wanted to get your take on what, what do you think about, you know, you know Tesla with autopilot? Because it seems like autopilot is just not where we've been told by Elon Musk it was going to be. But now they're getting sued for uh, these fatalities. And these aren't the only two. These are just the first two. There will be there, there are multiple more that come after this. So what is your take on that? Um, crashes like this, I don't care how safe or how lax Tesla or any car manufacturing company is going to be. Accidents like this with new technology is going to happen. The question is, whose fault is it? <laughs> is it, do we chalk it up to new technology or do we, as United States do, people in general, we need to find fault with somebody? Now, Tesla has not had the best track record of safety protocols and them just pushing out new updates and new, just kind of blowing ahead, you know, and worrying about the consequences later. I'm, I would uh, 100% believe that Tesla is kind of doing that and just crossing their fingers, <laughs> you know, and seeing if they can get around or getting avoiding 
some of these things, but some of these accidents and some of these tragedies, while, you know, I'm not trying to minimize them because, you know, people lost their lives, people lost loved ones, but new technology bounds to bring stuff like this. Again, I'm not necessarily 100% sure if Tesla is doing something wrong or just going too fast, you know, um, or, or, you know, we don't know what's going on. You know, was a driver fault? You know, um, I would hope that, you know, if these cases have gotten this serious, that it, there is some reason to say, Hey, Tesla, you need to do better. And the only way to get them to do better is to hit their pockets via a lawsuit. But I want to believe that stuff like this is just going to happen. When you're, when you have human interaction with new technology, it ain't always going to jive. And unfortunately, this is the end result. You know, we'll just see who is hell responsible. Cause like I said, in America, somebody's got to, somebody's got to be at fault. Yeah. Somebody definitely got to pay. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, this, this kind of thing, I think is just inevitable with this sort of technology. I know, um, in one of the cases, the, the company Tesla is arguing that the one gentleman had consumed some alcohol before he got behind the wheel and it was not clear uh, whether or not the autopilot was actually turned on at the time of the crash. Um, I think there's a couple different things happening here. You know, on the one hand, you're calling these things autopilot and, and you're calling them, you're calling them self-driving, self-driving vehicles. And autonomous you know what I mean? And- so, so by default, you're, 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 you're leading Plant people and giving people the impression that these cars can drive themselves. But on the other hand, there is still that instruction that the driver should maintain, you know, control of the car at all times and be prepared to take control of the car at any given moment. But, but what does that look like? Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? If, if I'm, if I'm putting the car in autopilot for, for whatever reason, what sort of reaction time am I supposed to have to, you know, in the case of an emergency? Because in, in one of the cases, it said it was seconds mm-hmm. before that car veered off the road. And you know what I mean? Like, I, what am, where am I supposed, what is the point of, of, of paying $15,000 for a feature if I need, if my hands still need to be right here by the wheel in case this car decides to veer off the road within seconds. So, it's kind of like, you know, six in one, half a dozen in the other kind of thing. Like, it's, it's going to be interesting, you know, the language used to describe this feature versus what you're supposed to do in order to use the feature at all. So it, 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 it kind of, there's, there's, there's a dichotomy there versus, you know, in the language. So and then, I don't know. To piggyback off of that, you know, maybe the government needs to say, y'all can't call this autopilot. Because y'all can't call this autopilot. Yes. Yeah. Because it, it, does it, it does it by itself. That don't necessarily mean it's automatic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was thinking, I know on GM vehicles, they have what's called super cruise. That is not autopilot. These are very different things. Autopilot in these two cases is where your car is driving by itself. For significant, you know, for, you know, for significant difference with Super Cruise, the car is also driving itself, but it does make you be somewhat aware. If in some, I believe in some of the newer GM vehicles, it actually is doing eye tracking. You see how long have you looked away from the road and it'll actually buzz or vibrate and make you put your hand back on the steering wheel. It definitely 
if you take your steering wheel, your hand off the steering wheel for too long, it'll it'll vibrate. And we're talking seconds, not not minutes, as in the case of autopilot. We we've seen I've seen a video of a gentleman who was completely knocked out sleep while stuck on a, a major highway in the Los Angeles area while the car was driving him home. And he was completely knocked out because he's in that bumper to bumper type of traffic. Video. I'm sorry. How did he get the video? Somebody else was pulled up on the side of him. Taking oh. the video for like three or four minutes because they were all stuck in traffic and the dude was just completely knocked out. Which, that was which in and of itself is also dangerous because if you driving and you trying to record somebody else not driving, <laughs> you also ain't paying attention. But continue. Yeah, in, in this particular case, it definitely was not the driver that was taking it. It was the passenger oh. that was taking the video because they literally were like right out of the window and they were talking like, right. look at this dude. Now, the driver was all lit. He was, you know, probably rubbernecking right. overlooking right. at the Watch. dude as well. Watches like, look at this dude. He is completely knocked out. But yeah, that, you know, that autopilot. The, the name gives you the idea of what it is. This thing is going to automatically drive itself. It's like when I, when I hear of a pilot putting a plane in autopilot, to me, that sounds like the plane is automatically it flying itself. Flies itself. It's like, you know, now granted, I know that there's co-pilots and stuff like that, but I've seen many a time on an airplane where the, where the captain gets up walking around talking to folks. It's like, okay, somebody, you know, autopilot or somebody is still flying that thing. So it, it, it will be interesting to see how this plays out. But I just went and pulled up an article from last week that came out. So researchers from King's College London, they actually found that uh, autonomous driving systems, and there are many, I think that they selected like the eight top systems that are being used in the United Kingdom. And they found that it is 20% higher in accuracy for children and seven and a half percent more in accuracy for people of color. So, well, did they say people of color? Did they say people with dark skin? Darker skin tones is what it exactly says. So, you know, so darker skin tones. And then, of course, at night, it gets worse for, for children and for darker skin tones. I am not shocked at all that it's worse for people with darker skin tone, seven and a half percent. Why? Because the same thing that we always say is that if you don't use enough data of the data of the people that you're trying to improve this for, then it's not going to be as good as them for the ones that you used ample amounts of data. I would say that I was shocked that it is so much less accurate for children, however, because it seems like that is the group that you would want to make sure that these cars are not running into and plowing over. So I was kind of shocked by that. So the questions that came up were, well, is it because they're not using enough data sets of children or do these systems actually have problem detecting smaller, shorter human beings than they do taller, bigger human beings? Those are questions that I think are ultimately going to have to be answered because you can't have a car that's, you know, that, you know, you have a one in five chance that it's going to plow, not a one in five chance. It's, it's a one in five chance more that your car will plow into a child than it would into an adult in the exact same situation. That is very, very problematic. Ultimately, in my opinion, everybody, not necessarily at fault, everybody, if if we're going to make autonomous drive and autopilot, whatever you want to call it, a thing of the near future, everybody's got to get involved. It can't just be the car makers, can't just be the policy makers. It actually, we actually have to rethink, in my opinion, how we are designing, maintaining, updating our infrastructure as well. To where there's got to be 
some new technology and, you know, maybe I, I need to do some research, get some seed funding, you know, get some, to put some reflectors on, in the road that That's respond right. like, to it the, it has to be, yeah, like, you know, side rails, medians, stoplights, special like paint or something. Everything has to change. Everything mm-hmm. is going to have to change, honestly. And, we, and this, and infrastructure don't make money. So good luck on that one. Yeah, yeah it, 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 it literally right. only cost it. So <laughs> it only cost it. So yeah, it's, they're going to have to get it figured out. And it's, it's interesting, Terrence, how you say how, you know, you might have to look into additional technology. And I've, I've actually heard of you, you can't necessarily just rely on the autonomous vehicle. If you want to have the best case scenario that you may have to actually put technology in the sidewalks, in the curbs that actually can communicate with the autonomous car to let them know, Hey, there's, there's children running around here or something like that. Well, before the car gets there. So it's actually maybe goes into a, I would want the car to always be in the hypersensitive mode, but I do understand. Like I hear people say, well, why didn't they build the whole plane out of the black box? And it's like, well, because if they did that, then the plane couldn't possibly be cost effective to build and have people fly all over earth on them. And a relatively, I should say a really, really safe way of travel. I get that. But on some level, you can't have these cars that are just going to plow into children more. And I would think with the the level of sensors that they could put in there, that that seems like that's a that that's a technical issue that they should be able to figure out. So I'm just wondering, you know, what is the case? Is it is it height and size or is it just training data? You know, why is it worse for children than it is for adults? I mean, you just I don't know if you can avoid it because Car accidents with children without this is worse because kids are dodgy. <laughs> they're small <laughs> and they, mm-hmm. you know, they don't have the same, uh, thr- you know, wherewithal, you right. know, as far as, you know, wh- the what the randomness of how do. they might run out into the street is different than uh, uh, an adult, I think, as well. I think and, you, it's hard. It's hard to find data to train you know, a, a, a system for how a child might run out into the street. Right, right. And then, you know, people get in accidents now, no matter how safe cars are, you know, people are still getting to accidents. Um, Again, I'm not saying the blame is all off of, you know, automakers that are now trying to pioneer this technology. You know, I mean, you just ain't going to be able to avoid it. And, and, And I think they and I don't think people have I don't think the manufacturers want to um I think about the the LIDAR on the the Google cars that do the maps. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's not sexy. And 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 to put that technology on a Tesla would not make it sexy. Like I think the technology exists to do a better job and a safer job, but I don't know that you can do it and make it and make it a car people would want to buy right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they figured out how to how to do that yet either. So, you know, I don't know whether you you figure out how to put it in the headlights or, you know, something on the roof that doesn't look like a big old LIDAR sensor or, or whatever <laughs> it is. You know what I mean? So 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 there's still that to figure out as well. So I got a question for y'all. So we just talked about, you know, these Tesla stories from 2019 that had, you know, fatal accidents when autopilot was running. We talked about this study out of the UK last week that systems are worse for people of color, way worse for children. And Terrence, you stuck a story in here about robo taxis in San Francisco. 
So, you know, San Francisco feels some kind of way. Some people are loving the, you know, the completely automated taxis. I think Waymo is one of the companies, but there's other folks who are really not trying to have it. Maybe for some of these same reasons that we just talked about having sex on the back of those taxis. Are they really? <laughs> like, I, like there's, a, there's, yeah, there was, there's a bunch of articles that, like, that's the thing out to do out there now is have sex in the back of those self-driving taxis. See, you now. can't. As much as we want to blame technology, there's some idiots out there too. So that's like a that's like a thing now out there. <laughs> but but uh, anyway, um, what Rob was alluding to in uh, San Francisco, you know, a couple uh, companies have been given the green light to uh, they've already been given the green light to do these uh, robo taxis during the day. But as of recently, as of August 10th, um, California Public Utilities Commission voted to allow cab companies, specifically Waymo and Cruise to run 24 hours. That means mm. all day, all night long when previous they were only uh, allowed to operate, you know, uh, were only allowed to operate at night. I don't know if that's because less people. Um, my thought would be it'd be the other way around, but nevertheless. Uh, but before they did that, you know, they did what, you know, communities do. They let the people come and you know, express their, you know, uh, if they're opposed or, you know, in favor of it. And, you know, they got a whole litany of people. They talked about Uber and Lyft drivers were worried about robo taxis going to take their jobs. They were, t- uh, the garbage disposal people came in and said, these cars are constantly, well, not constantly, according to them, constantly stuck on the road, which impedes their way to get in and out to do their job. According to this story, um, the uh, fire service, San Francisco fire service criticized the cars for the same thing that garbage disposal saying they've been obstructed 55 times this year. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one of the 55. My house is on fire and the fire department can't get the truck up because some robo taxing got stuck somewhere. Right. Um, talked about disabled people to where how the simple, uh, absence of a human person makes it harder for people to, with the disabilities to actually get in the robo taxis because ain't nobody there. And these robo taxis, it ain't some dude sitting in the passenger seat kind of monitoring. Like, I think we talked about this a couple stories ago mm-hmm. to where, you know, um, dude wasn't paying attention. He was supposed to be the backup for the, for the automation for the autonomous vehicle. And he, the autonomous vehicle messed up. He wasn't paying attention, caused a big thing. Right. So, but in this situation in San Francisco, there's nobody there at all. So people with disabilities are saying, hey, how are people supposed to get in and out of these things when we need help? But there's no help around, you know. Um, so they had all these people speaking up against it. They even had some people actually come in favor of it. Um, he's talked about how could we talked about it before. You know, people are stupid and they're going to cause accidents, you know, because of just not paying attention or being distracted, whatever the case may be. And those um Accidents happen all the time. So if robo taxis can cut down on the amount of actual people driving, maybe that could curb some of the, you know, day to day accidents caused by humans. So I put it out there because it seems like San Francisco is like full steam ahead, but they're still trying to figure out, okay, well, what can we do to kind of make this safer, make this more pleasant experience? And it seems like if this work or if it don't in San Francisco, that'll kind of be the model that other cities, other states kind of carry out. So overall, you know, we kind of talked about autom- uh, automation, not automation, autonomous. I always say automation. 
autonomous vehicles, you know, um, they're, they're making the news anytime, any accident, any instance involving an autonomous or self-driving vehicle seems to make the news. I wonder if people in general, where, where's the sentiment specifically with us? You know, where are y'all at as far as robo taxis, autonomous vehicles? And then if this works in San Francisco, will other cities jump on this in a hurry or will they be kind of, eh, let's figure this out a little bit more. I'm not getting in them, John. That's, that's <laughs> what I do know. Um, call it whatever you want. I'm not getting in them, John's. I mean, not right now. I just don't think the technology is there. I don't want to, I mean, there, there have been reports of people getting stuck in them, locked in them, Excellent. you know, just that kind of thing. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I, no, not yet. <laughs> yeah. I fully no. imagine no. that in 10 years, Robo taxis is is basically going to be we'll, we'll be living in a sci fi movie from ten fifteen twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. I fully expect that we're going to be there at some point. I just don't want today. to be first, you know. Yeah, you know, to, 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 you know, today is not necessarily the day that I want to be riding in one of these Johns. It's like mm-hmm. I have not had the opportunity to ride in one yet, and like you know, I thought I was in Arizona and I had the opportunity to. And I'm just like, nah, I got to get where I got to get to. I don't want to take any chances. So I, you know, I, I wimped out and didn't do it. But here's the thing. The reason I actually took the regular, you know, the regular car, cause I had, I was going to do something for work. My coworkers who decided, Oh yeah, we're going to get in it and used it. They were all kind of late because and I don't want to blame it on the car. Cause they said, well, it wasn't the car. We just got stuck in traffic. It's like, I didn't get stuck in traffic. <laughs> you know, I did. Cause, le- your, cause your actual human driver probably <laughs> knew how to. You know, so, like stall some traffic and knew how to make a different decision to get around it. Yeah, no. I'm, so, I'm good. so yeah, I, I fully expect that this is how we'll be. You know, th- this will be the way that we get an Uber in ten years. I fully expect that we will all be driving autonomous cars in ten years. It's just, do you want to drive the first autonomous car? And no, I'm not getting in the autonomous one either. I, to take it a step further, I like driving so much to where. I don't see myself buying a vehicle if it's be by default has like the super cruise or, or has it in there by default. I ain't paying extra for it. Yeah, number no. one. Yeah. And then number two, you know, I actually like driving. I actually don't like how all cars are automatic and then, you know, they're going away from the manual where you got to manually move it around. Cause me personally, I like to feel like I'm in control even when. I mean, it's I'm fooling myself because anybody could, you know, <laughs> I ain't too much control I got if somebody decide to, you know, not be paying attention or whatever. But I feel like I'm in more control when I'm driving down the road. Now, I will, as of recently, this summer, this, uh, we was uh, rented a vehicle and it had the adaptive speed, uh, cruise control to where it kind of mimics the car in front of you. And I was like, okay, that's dope. But mm-hmm. I know my foot is sitting right on, is resting on that brake pedal <laughs> to Ready where to if something, if, if I feel like it's getting a little too close to that car in front of me, I can quickly just tap down and brake. So I'm, I'm not even sold on that yet. A hundred percent while it's dope. You know, I still ain't sold on it yet. I don't think I'll be sold on it until like I mentioned before when everybody's on board, you know, department of transportation, you know, city infrastructure and they're, Built, putting new technology into the roads that talk to the cars, whatever the case may be. I'm not 
on board with this because right now it just seems like these technology companies are just plowing full speed ahead. And that's and it's like, the well, thing. We'll they they are. They're 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 yeah. just trying too hard to force this down our throats. And I don't think until you are are taxi drivers unionized. Uh no. In depend on the city. It depends on yeah. the city. I think in some cities, in some cities they, they, def- they absolutely are in some York, cities. They definitely yeah. are. I don't and, know about San so Francisco. Un- until you can get around that, we're not going to see this in in at scale. I'll put it that way. Um, because you're not going to get rid of those drivers. I think I think that's what these companies think they're going to do. But until you can get around the the taxi unions. Um, we're not going to see this at scale. You'll see it in, 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 you know, some cities. Uh, we will see some drivers like, you know, Uber drivers and things like that get displaced, especially if they can't unionize. I think Uber drivers were trying to unionize at one point and may still be trying to do that. Um, you know, but we may see like Uber and Lyft drivers get displaced as, as those companies switch to this model. Um, but, um, but yeah, we're not going to see this at scale until, until that, until those taxi unions, something happens with yeah. that. And, and to your point, Terrence, I think we will need to get government. It, it's going to need to be a collaboration across, you know, multidisciplinary, you know, platforms and, and agencies and stuff like that. Yeah, at the end of the day, these companies are all for profit companies and they want to get to the point to where, how can we make the most amount of money? What is that situation? So I can't I can't think of the city off the top of my head, but there's a city that basically has passed a minimum wage for rideshare drivers and both Uber and Lyft have both said that, you know, when this law goes into effect on January 1, 2024, we won't do business inside of your city limits anymore. It's just it's an untenable situation for them. So if they're saying that, well, we're not, you know, if it's a minimum wage thing that we're not going to do, would they want to come back and well, let's, let's put some automated taxis in there because we don't have to pay the, you know, we don't have to pay the AI a minimum wage. We can just make all the profit. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, it's not lost on me that that's ultimately what I think a lot of these companies want to get to. Cause if you can remove the human being, you don't have to play the human being. And like I said, and I think about too, like, you know, in New, in New York City, in the city, in, in lower Manhattan, they now have, um, they're putting, and I, we might have talked about it on, on the show. I talked about it somewhere. I don't remember, but they have tolls in the city now. So there's like different at different intersections, like literal intersection, like toll. So once you like you have to pay to get in the city. So you got to pay to come through a tunnel, you know, Lincoln Tunnel, Holland Tunnel, whatever you pay to come through the tunnel. But at, at, at specific intersections inside Manhattan, like busier intersections at the light, there are easy pass boxes at the light (laughs) that are bit like that you will be paying to drive through the city because it's just that busy and Mm. they're trying to discourage traffic in the city. So many pedestrians too. Huh? It says so many pedestrians as well. Well, you, I mean, you, I, and listen, they might try to figure out how to charge people to walk in New York, but, (laughs) but right now they're trying to discourage uh, vehicle traffic in downtown Manhattan. So literally at like, you know, Fifth Avenue and, and 120, whatever, like there are literal easy passes at, at intersections. So that might be a call, a, a case for an autonomous vehicle because now maybe, 
you know, people still want to get around, but we don't have to pay the driver because we got to offset the cost of this toll, but we still need a car here to get people where they need to go. Yeah, it's shit is real out here in these streets, man. Yeah, that um, easy pass at an intersection. At, at, it, inside the city at intersections now, New York City has easy passes. It's crazy. It's crazy. I've imagined. I haven't read this anywhere, but I, I've imagined you're going to start seeing easy passes everywhere just because states ain't going to give up that gas tax. They, they're going to get their money some way or other to it's like, you know, the, you know, they say they, they need to get the taxes so that they can do infrastructure and road repairs and stuff like that. Well, we know they ain't using the money for that, but ultimately they're not going to not get the money by people paying the gas tax. So. The easy pass, as Stephanie just mentioned, I guarantee all that ain't going to infrastructure. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. I was like, dang. And I and I drive in the city sometimes. Like, I not so much anymore. Most of the time, I will take the train into the city. I'm in New York, you know, once a month at least. And and most of the time, I do take the train. But I do drive into the city every now and again, and and you know, just park, pay to park or whatever. And I'm like, dang. Now I got to have my easy pass when I'm, you know, driving. I'm like, this crazy 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 anyway yeah. that's off topic <laughs> so y'all for th- for this last story that we're going to talk about i actually i actually kind of enjoyed researching this a little bit so i read some research out of urban one the urban one with the radio channels and all that kind of stuff and then a advertising company called sounder that they've worked with and on this report they came out with a with a bunch of interesting findings so let me just read a little bit here for you so african americans overrepresent when it comes to podcast listeners in the 18 plus category 43 percent of blacks have listened to a podcast in the last month compared to only 39 percent of other demographics combined we are eight percent more likely to act on podcast sponsorships or promotions compared to 49 percent of u.s weekly listeners black audiences are highly engaged and active so why do black creators struggle to find sponsorships and advertisers willing to work with us and our audiences? So, as I said, this came out of this report. And according to the report from Urban One and Sounder, black creators are disproportionately marginalized in advertising community due to what some call conversational themes at the forefront of media plans. Ad buyers lack the tools with insights to buy inventory in black communities, leading them to target more generalized markets. So just to break that down and say what it, what it really means is that. You have most of these companies that are running these advertising campaigns. They are testing the content from Urban One, which Urban One is is the biggest set of radio channels and content in the country. It has like 51 million people who listen to it at least once a month. It's getting 80 percent of African-Americans every single month. So they're absolutely huge. And so when things happen, like when you start to put in just our culture, the way we talk, African-American vernacular, just, you know, our colloquialisms, we could say stuff like, oh, that was the bomb. Well, if you're using legacy tools to uh, see whether or not your content is safe for a particular company's advertisers, the fact that we're talking about bombs. Oh, no, we don't want we want our content associated with bombs, even though the way we were using it was was in a very, very positive way. So. What Urban One has actually come out and said is that 92% of all of their programming would fail legacy test for so, advertising. So let me, so let me, let me stop you. So I, so just so I'm understanding what's happening. So they're taking the content from the platform, mm-hmm. scraping it to see if it meets some industry standard to 
run ads against. To run ads against based on the type of language that adheres in the content. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I was understanding what was happening. So legacy systems where they do this, where they're actually blocking. So so like you don't want the word bomb to show up. So there's there's filters. filters in this, in this system. And it's, and it's picking out words that may, it may find offensive or Mm -hmm. problematic or, you know, whatever that is saying, okay, we can't run ads against this because it contains language that, you know, our, our advertisers, you know, don't want associated with their brand. Exactly. Basically. Okay. So urban one, the biggest media company that does this kind of stuff in the United States, when it comes to our people's content, they said that they would fail these tests on 92% if they were because of the way, because of the way, because of the way that black folks talk. Okay. And what this company sounder has done is they basically have built, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and they're going out and they're scanning UUAV, so you know what is it? African or AA, African American vernacular English. They're scanning our colloquialisms. They're scanning just the culture. What what is happening in the black community and how are people talking? How how are we using slang? And are using that. And when when the same tests are run against their engine, it's only flagging ten percent. So ninety two percent being flagged versus ten percent being flagged. So this is a, this is an area where we 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 always talk about artificial intelligence and why is it why why the algorithms ain't failing us. This is a this is a situation where it is because what Urban One is saying is that if it were not for this type of technology, we would have a significantly harder time finding advertisers for our content. And the reason for that is because the advertisers just don't understand our content. They're not part of of the community. They may not have a work to be culturally competent. That's probably a big part. Not probably. That is a big part of it. We don't don't have to opine about that. They haven't. So this company is coming in and is like, nah, you know, it's actually safe. You don't have no excuse now because we can run it for you and show you that this is what these things mean that you had thought meant something else. They don't mean those things. So run us our check, bruh. Exactly. Uh, Also, I was going to say that um, these companies don't have to because they know black folks going to spend money anyway. So I think another uh portion of this that kind of leads out the way is, you know, what can we do, if any, to try to uh, show that, yeah, we are a powerful spending uh, block group, whatever you want to call it. And we are going to direct our monies towards companies who are, in fact, putting in the effort to understand all of these things that matter to us in order to better promote products to us and better find brands that will better suit us so they can run ads against, you know, well, it's, um, it's interesting that you say that because one of the things is pointed out in this report, like I said, it's a, it's a long report. Is this a way? So let me, me being a skeptic, is this a report or this, or is this sounder partnering with urban one to say, see how the current system is. If you use our system, we can do X, Y, and Z versus it actually being a case study slash report of the current state of things 
without any sort of biases. Because when I look through some of this, I'm like, yeah, Sounder, they really trying to bump up and prop up their oh, technology. Oh, there's no doubt. Any current there's no doubt that they're doing they're that. They're trying to prop up their technology. Like, no, oh. you go from 92 to 10. <laughs> you obviously trying to prop up your technology. There, but, there's there's but no. If, but if it's working, it's working, right? But here's the other part of it, too. Because one of the things that this report and other reports like it have said is that African-Americans, you know, we tend to want to spend our advertising dollar with companies who are specifically advertising to us. So, Terrence, to your point, yes, we are going to spend our money wherever we need to spend our money to get the things that we want. But we would rather do it in, you know, in places that are you know catering to us. And we all know because some of these some some of these marketing campaigns that are clearly marketed to African-Americans is like, did you have to pull every stereotype out of the book to make that commercial? We know that they're doing that just from the music and the way people are dressed and this and that and the other. And just the, the cheesy conversation that they're having with each other while they're talking about the new truck that they just got and all that kind of stuff. So we know that that is happening. But what it sounds like Radio One and Sounder are saying is that Urban One. I'm sorry, yeah, not Radio One, Urban One. I'm yeah. But what they are saying is that this technology is making it easier for us to get advertisers and it's making you know, it's making it easier for advertisers to work with us and our content. So we don't have any numbers on whether or not this has changed the amount of advertising dollars we receive because they now know that the 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 content is not objectionable like like has this worked do we have do we have any data on on whether or not advertising revenue has now increased due to this ai tool that can I didn't see that. This was okay. this was very Sounder Radio One, but I would have to imagine the Sounder is not only trying. I keep saying Radio One, Urban One. Um, this but is Urban One is the umbrella company. It, it Radio is Radio One and TV One is under right. Urban One. Right? Um, okay. But uh, you know, but so so Urban One, th- they are I'm the ones who came up no. with this joint report. Yeah. But I would have to imagine that if you're going from ninety two percent for stuff on Urban Ones channels to 10 percent because at the end you you know i know we all know that there are some companies they just don't want to deal with us period and they're fine with not making money from us they're fine you know they're absolutely fine i I believe how many reports you run i don't care how many uh uh results you find it's up to these companies to be like you know what we do want to be the the, the biggest pessimist i mean i think you're right and and there's some of them that just ain't gonna spend no money on black media period i mean roland martin talks about that all the time all the time just ain't gonna spend money with black media because they haters um but i think there are some that that probably have this legacy tool to rob's Mm -hmm. point that just Run, you know, they, they, that, that's on that's on autopilot, mm-hmm. you know, uh, pun intended, and and is filtering for certain things, and they have not updated it, and they haven't bothered to because it just it just does whatever it does, and now that they can see that there's something else here that can that can do a better job and a more culturally competent job, I think there are some advertisers that will take a second look. And, mm. you know, they're not they're not going to spend as much money as they do with other 
you know, white owned media companies. They never do. But I think there are some advertisers that will, because again, to, to Rob's point that he has made many times today, companies want to make money. And, mm-hmm. and if they know that they can spend a couple of dollars it, it, within the black community with black media and make some money, there's an ROI to all of this. And if they know they can cut a, a, a small check, uh, and, and get it back, they're going to some, there are some advertisers that will do that. So I, I think we will see, you know, uh, some sort of return on, on this work. Um, and, and at, and at a minimum, um, I'm all for at least pulling the cover back on the bullshit at a minimum. Cause now you can't say, well, uh, you're the language with the content was objectionable and we just couldn't, our, our brands couldn't be aligned with that. You can't say you didn't know ignorance can't be an excuse now. Mm-hmm. So at a minimum, let's pull the covers off the bullshit. It went from 92 to 10 because of AAVE and our, and now you have the culturally competent data that you need to make purchasing decisions around ad revenue and, and, and whatever. So cut the check and, and stop with the nonsense. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's, it's interesting. You know, like I said, there, there are definitely companies. We don't care if we don't deal with black people. We, we simply do not care. That's just how they run other companies. They're not saying that they just, that's their actions just kind of bear that out. But as Stephanie, as you were saying, if you can go and say, well, wait a minute, that's 40 some odd million people. You know, we could talk to four out of five of them at least once a month. Why wouldn't we? Things that we know about the African-American community, they they outspend their counterparts on consumer goods. That's, right. you know, this, you know, we don't we don't necessarily yeah. like to hear it, but it is true. The numbers, the numbers bear that out. We spend more on consumer products than our counterparts demographically. So if you're if you're a bean counter in one of these companies say, well, we're not really advertising at all to this demographic there's 40 million people and they spend more money than pretty much everyone else when it comes to consumer brands per capita maybe if we actually could get some of our advertising in front of them they would actually spend money with us particularly when you have reports like this saying that african americans tell you that when they're advertised to specifically they are more apt to work with that brand than companies who don't advertise with them specifically so that at the end of the day for many companies is going to make them all companies. I'm looking at your face, Terry. All companies. Absolutely not. Some companies, enough companies that can move dollars for us. Like I I know this, if sounder comes out with something for podcast that says, Hey, y'all can run this and find some more advertising because advertise with attention. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So I, I would be interested in looking at it. When I know what the game is, but ultimately the game benefits us too. Listen, the game is to be. I do not have faith in a society like y'all do. (laughs) (laughs) I have faith in capitalism. I don't have faith in this society. I have faith in capitalism all day. Companies gonna make money, however companies can make money, and not like not all, but many, most. That's what they do, especially the ones that are that are you know driven by shareholders. It's like, how much money did you make? How much money could you have made? Why, why didn't you make it? You know. can no longer be COO. I guess I, just, I guess I don't know if this is rocket. I don't think this is rocket science. And for them to run this report, I don't think this is like, oh, you know what? We didn't know. Y'all know. Y'all know. Y'all know. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know. Yeah. This ain't nothing new. Come on now. 
<laughs> so yeah, I'm looking at the clock. We're right at the top of the hour. That was a nice tight 60 minutes of the Tech John this week. We you know, y'all who listened last week, we went a little bit long, but we had a great guest on, you know, Mr. the, the CEO of Unboxings, Lamar Wilson. So uh, so we went a little long this week, but we kept it nice tight uh 60 minutes this week. So Unfortunately, we did not have any new patrons uh, or should say new patrons on Patreon this week. But if you would like to become a patron of the Tech John, once again, head over to patreon.com forward slash the Tech John, the Tech J-A-W-N. And any one of our tiers over there helps us do what we do, bring the technology to you the way that we bring it to you. So once again, patreon.com forward slash the Tech J-A-W-N, the Tech John. So Tech Life Steph, why don't you go ahead and tell folks how they can get at you? You can follow me all around the web at Tech Life Stuff and check out my website at stephaniehumphrey.com. Oh, and some news. I am relaunching my book. Um, I am adding a forward by Dr. Monique Bell and, um, and a bonus section specifically for influencers. I'll be doing a whole new media tour at the end of September and a book signing. Uh, if anybody happens to find themselves in Philadelphia on September 21st, um, or just wants to pick the book up, uh, later on this month, you got to wait till later on this month though, because I'm still in the process of, uh, getting the new sections, um, done and and getting it re-uploaded to amazon and stuff right now um but yeah so uh check out the website stephaniehumphrey.com for all the updates stay tuned to the socials for uh more news all right and you can find me all over the web at brother tech as b-r-o-t-h-a-t-e-c-h um additionally to that i don't know if it's on npr's website but i was on npr last week uh, talking about the new upcoming iPhone and its rumored reported USB-C charger. Uh, maybe we put a link in the show notes or something. You can go to listen to it. It's like a quick two minute listen. Uh, they got me some quotes on there. So if you are much obliged, definitely go in and check that out for me. I appreciate it. And I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things and we're at the Tech John on all the things. And since we're doing shout outs to other things that we're doing, I will say this. Many of you know that I have been a contributor over on Daily Tech News Show for years, but I'm actually a full fledged host now. So I host Daily Tech News Show at least one time a week, sometimes more. And I also produce and host Daily Tech Headlines three times per week. So you can check me out over at DailyTechNewsShow.com or Daily Tech Headlines, which is also at DailyTechNewsShow.com. So and then, of course, we are on all the things at the Tech John. So until we meet again in a week's time. Peace. Peace. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.